Well, I have been waiting anxiously to uh, give a report because uh, last or two weekends ago, uh, the week after our trip to Nicaragua, Bobby and I were down in Fayetteville uh, with the privilege of conducting a wedding for some dear friends, and it was, it was a joyful, joyful event. And, uh, and so I have been eagerly anticipating getting together with you. Now I want to set this up a little bit. Um, as you know, or most of you know, there were 21 of us, uh, six from this church, who went to Nicaragua to experience uh, the Young Life program down there, and that involved not only visiting and prayer walking, but living with Nicaraguans, and then going to this incredible camp uh, that they have set up for Nicaraguan teens and young 20-somethings, that are all part of kind of a methodology to introduce Christ to a, a group of people that are, in the eyes of the world, have very little. Nicaragua is the second poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. That was a surprise to me. Only behind Haiti. And so... The theme for our trip was uh, from John 15, 5 through 8. And Michael preached on that two weeks ago. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But from apart from me, uh, you can do nothing. And, and as we prepared for this trip... It was amazing because, you know, it's a very popular verse. People know about this. But what does that abiding look like? And how do we abide in God? And does God really want to abide in us? And so uh, Pastor Michael discussed that with us. And we abided in God through prayer. And we abided in God through service. And then God abided in us when we're way out of our comfort zones, living with people we had difficulty communicating with, and then God provided for us ways to communicate. And as we prayer walked through the community and we experienced God's presence speaking to us about what God wanted to do and how God wanted to do things, it was an amazing, amazing time. And and we came to a place where we had to realize that God wants to abide in us and in others through us. We become God's hands and feet. And it's a wonderful next step kind of a thing to, uh, to accomplish that. And then last week... Uh, Michael went into John 10 and he spoke about, uh, 
you know, I am the door of the sheep and I, uh, I am the good shepherd. And as I take a look at this, you know, it's interesting. As you get to know Christ, as you get to know God, you get to know how to hear his voice. You can, you can tell when God is speaking and, and when this is a godly thing. And so what happens is you start to follow the good shepherd. We hear him calling our name, not just any random person's name, but you are called by name, just as I believe you were called here today by name to be here. Pretty cool. And then he asks some questions, as he always does. Where have you seen God? Where have you seen God? How do you recognize his voice? Well, how do you recognize his voice? You recognize his voice by relationship. The more you get to know, the better you understand, the more clearly you hear. And, you know, got into questions about how does he speak to us? And then we got into doors. Now, I don't know whether, I know, we got into doors. And he pulled out his phone and he said, look at this. See this? Every time you open up your phone, you're opening up a different door to a different place. I'll be honest with you, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that is indeed true. And as we develop in relationship with God, we go through a series of doors, one of which is the door into the room of distraction, and it's the calling of the world on us. And, and we, have, we are torn between the world and its, its, its calling in our lives, and how do we break out of that? And then the, the door that would take us into the place of struggle where we realize that we need to be in another place than the room of distraction. And so we, we start in a way to do some battle, internal battle, to start listening to the voice of the one who loves us and loves us eternally. And when we come face to face with ourselves, it's not pretty. And it is also... Um, pretty humbling to realize you can't get out of that yourself. A lot of times it's like breaking the cigarette habit. You know, you need, you need a lot of support and a lot of help. And then finally he spoke of the discipleship room. The discipleship room where there's the process of living your entire life um, in relationship with God and attempting to become better and better and better that. And, and so those were some of the things that were going on. Well, so today I wanted to go and take a look at Paul's recommendation to the church at Philippi. Now, Philippi was a was a pretty wonderful church. They did a lot of wonderful things, and, and Paul was thankful for them. But he wanted, you know, he was not going to be able to be with them, and he encouraged them. 
He encouraged them and he used Christ's example as to how they should live their lives. And he speaks about putting on the mind of Christ. And so I am, uh, I'm going to read from the second verse, or second chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And the first four verses, he is kind of talking to the church, but then he describes from verses 5 through 11 what Christ gave up and what kind of a mind Christ followed to save you and me. And he wants us, you and me, not just the church at Philippi, to be of one mind, to be humble, and to pursue a life and a light that is similar to what Christ did. Listen to these words as Paul speaks to the church. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his or her own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he speaks to Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, it was modeled for you. Who, though he was in the form of God, was equal to God, was there from the very beginning, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held on to. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He had all the privileges of heaven, and he set them aside so that he could become like a Jewish baby with the cross behind him on the horizon, and he did it to be obedient to the Father. Therefore, God, the Father, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And Lord, Yahweh is uh, normally the name that, remember when Moses said, what should I call you? And, you know, my name, I am who I am, Yahweh is the name. The Lord to the glory of the God and Father. And so then Paul 
shoots back to his audience and he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, like Christ obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, hey, don't rest on your laurels from the past. Let's keep looking forward to where we're going. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, and do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, <laughs> among whom you shine as lights in the world. We have the opportunity to be the bright light, the beacon that shows that there is something better than what happened in the Texas outlet mall last night. You know, the, we, we have that opportunity. We, with all of our differences, all of our gifts and our talents brought together to be shaped and molded for God's purpose. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. And likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's so many things that you have to share, so many things that you've placed on the heart. May, uh, may we speak just what your servants need to hear. Not to my glory, not to our glory, but to yours we pray. Amen and amen. I need to let you know that when I went into ministry <clears throat> a few million years ago, uh, I found very quickly that I had a real heart for youth. I love the fact that um, they can be so much more real. I hate to say it, but a lot of adults wear a lot of masks. And, and, and youth do too, but the masks come off a lot quicker among, uh, among the younger set. Now I'm finding that now that I've reached the ethereal age of 75, my mask comes off a little bit quicker than it used to. But the fact of the matter is, I love how you think. I love how they develop. I just love watching them go through those crazy, difficult times, those awkward times. And, and, I, and I enjoy spending time with them. 
And so when I got invited to go to Nicaragua to Young Life, and I've never been involved in Young Life. In all my years of ministry, I had never even heard of it. It's really, really interesting because the shirt will show you all the countries the Young Life is in in Central and South America. And it's all over the United States. It's all over the world. I, I, I mean, it's a shocking. But I heard about it. And T. Gatewood over at Arborddale and Catherine, his wife, were fired up. And they said, you need to come. And Michael said, let's go. And honestly, I don't know how many mission trips I've got left in me. So I figured I'm good enough to go. I want to go and I want to see. And I heard that it was a poverty-stricken country. And I heard that there were kids, just like in our own country, who are lost, forgotten, unloved, without purpose, without hope. And, and I heard that this group goes into these neighborhoods and, and instead of saying, Ina, come to my church, they stay with you. They stay in the neighborhood. And in fact, they cultivate leaders in the neighborhood. And so the people who are there know and understand the problems. And they know and they understand that, uh, you know, the idiosyncrasies of these places. And, 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 and they've got a guy named Douglas. Now, all right. I'm sorry. Douglas is a guy who walks around like this now, but what he does is he walks and he brings a, a liter of Coke oh. <laughs> and some cookies. And he sees somebody on a porch or on a deck. And he may not know him because he's a new guy in the neighborhood. And he's planning to get to know him. And he just says, well, hi. You want some coke? <laughs> and, and he spends time. He shows them interest. He shows them time. And he listens. Now. How many of us like to be heard? How many of us like, especially if you're a stranger, you can bare your heart. But they do that. And, and, and it's, it's interesting. And because when you do that and you show you care, it makes a difference. And when you don't say, Lib, I want you to come to church with me. But you say, hey, we're going to have a couple folks gather around the corner at my house. And we're going to hang out. It's a different thing. And when we're not talking about God all the time, but we're living a sermon, not speaking a sermon there is a huge difference. And, and, and when you find out that somebody is interested in what you're interested in, 
And so, Courtney, I know you, I'm just guessing now, I know you love flowers. Okay, I do. And, and so, so tell me about your flowers. There you go, see? Now, now, after class, I'll be happy to, but that's the point. And you spend time. You build relationships. You meet another person. You say, oh, you know, Terry, do you know Courtney? Okay, and, and, and you know, let's get together. We got to play some games, do some stuff. And, and what happens is you start to build relationships and you have clubs and they're in the community where they live. Now, those clubs, if I invite Courtney to a meeting, Courtney is never alone. When I went to the club and I saw that they were no one, and you could tell who was invited to come, no one was ever alone. Now that, told me a lot. And our own group, Lydia, <laughs> and, 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 and Kenny, and Jonathan. Now, Jonathan's off the chain. But, but Kenny and Lydia are much more shy, and yet they brought them out. Even though they didn't speak the language. And they wanted to be there. And the alternative was same-o, same-o. And those continue to grow, and those relationships continue to grow. And the next thing we know, we've got, we start to realize that, uh, you know, Marie is kind of a gifted leader. And, and so we say, okay, well, let's give her an opportunity. And we say, you know what? You guys have just seen this place. We want to take you to a camp. Because a lot of these kids have never seen outside of where they are. And so you go to a camp, and that camp is like a different world. And they speak about Christ there. They talk of unabashedly. And, and, and many people come to a saving, but they see something other than what they have. It is, and, 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 they, and they love people that are different. And so we relish in our differences. But we show how in those differences we can become one body that can make a difference. And so, I am the vine, you are the branches, shown. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. We demonstrate it. You start to understand it. You start to experience it. You prayer walk in your community. You, I mean, literally. What was the last time you walked around your neighborhood and prayed for the people that live there? I mean, prayed. Or walked around a high school with 3,000 kids. And as you walk around praying for those kids, 
I got hit with such an overwhelming sense of evil, it almost knocked me down. And I had to stop. And I gathered the whole crew together because this happens to me sometimes, but it happened. And we prayed together. And we found out from the leader the kinds of things that are going on in the school. We were looking for a place for one of the clubs to meet. And there's a preschool. And God had been leading them to think of the preschool as a place to use in the evening. But the problem is that that whole street at night becomes a brothel. And we're praying, God, do you want this light that we're talking about to shine here? And they believe, as we should believe, that if God wants it, God will make it happen. It is a different approach. And what happens is that people are empowered. And I met kids that are 15 and 16 that I swear I thought were 20. 20 and 21, 22. The maturity in faith was so amazing to me. And they are so bubbly. And they're working. Or they're going to school, but they're also leading clubs. And they are changing their communities. Esteli, the third largest city in Nicaragua, 10 years ago had, I think they said five clubs. Now they have 28. Those clubs average 60 people. The way they've got this set up with camp, the, the kids go to camp, and those that want further instruction and are, are, are more interested, they have advanced camp for them. They teach them leadership. They teach them more, more about God. It is, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful focus and approach. And as a pastor, and as a guy who's been through about 16 mission trips in the States, out of the States, led them, did blah, 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 blah. I love the methodology. It's better than anything that I have been involved in. So this old dog learned a few new tricks. So the question is, as my theology professor used to say, so what? Well, so what? We can do it right here. See, God has placed you and, and, and me here. You know, we got grandkids. They're sitting there going, oh man, okay, well you're part of the crowd. Okay, I don't know where, where God has you right now. Okay, but we've got teachers. We've got people that are working out in, you know, at the gym three days a week. We've got folks that are involved in every aspect within this community.
What if we looked at that as a place where we could be a bright light? What if, and I'm speaking as much to myself as I could speak to you, if I decided that getting home and doing this or that is not as important as developing relationships, what if took time to help someone get through something? What if Lois back there got an opportunity because she wants to use and serve and do stuff? We get people connected to do those kinds of things so that we become God's hands and feet in the community, in the school in the retirement facility, in, on the golf course where God has placed us, or in the school, wherever you are. I don't know where, what you guys are doing these days. But, but the point being, the methodology works. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one. Oh yeah, those clubs, they do games. They do songs. The girls get out there and they try to model some of these videos that they see. And when they get the video, they all run up and take a look at how they did. And they go, oh my goodness gracious sakes. And they try again. But at the end of that club meeting, there is always one person, one of them, who gets up and tells their story. And there's no mask on. Talks about being lonely and, 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 and hopeless. Uh, parent died, a relationship broke down. Something that was devastating. And how through friends, through God, sometimes divine intervention, in just the right time God revealed himself and saved this kid from doing something that would have in many cases changed their you know it would have been done if 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 we can become humble as Christ if we can put others to be just as important or more important than we consider ourselves to be important, if we can dedicate our lives to being more than we are and doing it to God's glory, then there will be revival right here. There will be revival, not just in this church and in this community, but that will grow, and it will grow, and it will grow. And that is why you have exponential growth in Nicaragua. That is why they're having exponential growth of young life in Haiti. That is why every country and every in Central, in the Caribbean, Central, and South America 
are growing like crazy with Young Life because it works. And I would encourage us to see how we could do that same thing here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.